Winstead, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're back on our podcast series entitled Disgrace to Grace, where Pastor Chad and myself are pouring over the topic of sexual assault, a topic that is highly relevant to many, many people, more people actually than you would think, Mm -hmm. as we've gone over a lot of the statistics in uh, past episodes. Today, we're going to be talking specifically about the shame that comes with sexual assault, the shame. We've talked about how being sexually assaulted distorts one's self-image. We've talked about the problems of denial that occur Mm -hmm. after one has been sexually assaulted. And we've talked about so many other things, but today we're going to talk about shame. Now, this is also going to be the last episode that we do on this topic. And as Chad and I were discussing it before we got on today's podcast, really what is undergirding this entire conversation or this entire reality um, is the sacredness of sex, mm-hmm. uh, truly, uh, the sacredness of sex. Yeah, sex is probably something that you have never thought of as sacred. Yeah, um, but the Bible does, as a matter of fact, uh, consider it a very sacred act. Yeah. Um, if we go back to Genesis chapter one, and I'm just going to dive right in, Chad. Go for it. Genesis chapter one. Um, we go back to the story of origins, and in the 28th verse. After God has created male and female in his own image, he blessed them, it says in verse 28. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. There's only Mm -hmm. one way that that happens. That's through the sexual relationship. That's right. And that sexual relationship is a twofold relationship. It's One is to accomplish the imaging of God, that God wants his image throughout all the earth and male and female are created in his image. And so that makes sense that the Lord would create a way to create more people right. to be in his image, to, to image him. But also the, the Lord gave sex to the, to the male and female to bring that one flesh relationship, that oneness, yes. that intimacy that, that can only be experienced between, uh, or should only be experienced between a husband and a wife who are committing oneself in a covenant relationship to one another to be one flesh, right? To, to image the really the Trinity, the Godhead. Yeah. Um, and there's such a sacredness to that yes. intimacy, and there's an enjoyment of that intimacy. It's why uh, Proverbs five fifteen through mm-hmm. seventeen talks about enjoying the wife of your youth, right? Mm-hmm. Like to be filled up and satisfied mm-hmm. like there's a the whole song of solomon that it's you're meant to enjoy sex with your spouse mm-hmm. that's a gift of grace that god also gave to the husband and wife relationship yeah all of which has been defiled by sin and wouldn't you know it that in particular is the area or one of the areas that mm-hmm. satan has Focus most of his resources towards right. is degrading yeah. the sanctity of the sexual relationship. Well, if you think about that, if if really the created order, the crescendo of the created order is man, mm-hmm. the only creation that's created in the image of God, mm-hmm. and the family, man and, and woman, and woman, right, right. Well, that's that's what I'm getting at. The family right. unit, yes. male and female. Uh, when I said man, I meant mankind. Right. Right. <laughs> Together, representing 
God himself, the Godhead, being able to live out his communicable attributes throughout the whole earth to mm-hmm. glorify him is knitted together by sex in the way God designed it. What perfect way for Satan to destroy mm-hmm. all of God's creation by destroying the family through perverting mm-hmm. the sexual uh, act. Right. And so this the sanctity of, of the sexual relationship really undergirds this entire conversation that we're having about sexual assault because mm. we've already said in previous episodes that one of the reasons why um, this particular sin is so destructive mm-hmm. um, in the here and now, like immediately, is because of the fact that if you are um, transgressed in that way, if someone violates the most sacred property that you own, which is your own body, mm-hmm. there is no real refuge anymore. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere for you to run right. where you feel safe, right? This is this is the natural feeling, okay? Uh, we know that the gospel is the only real hope that anybody has right. who's been sexually assaulted. And, and so when we take it one step further then, okay, well, yes, I understand that, yes, someone has violated me, meaning they've actually violated part of the Ten Commandments, which says thou shalt yeah. steal, right? right? Right. I've stolen something from that individual yeah. if I have been the perpetrator. Right. Well, what have I stolen? I've stolen really um, the sanctity of that sexual act that's right. reserved for, like you said, Chad, the marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. It, if you think about it, listener, I know our culture has just trampled on this concept, but look, God meant for you to have sex with one person. Forever, like in the rest of your life. Are are your eyebrows raising up right now? Like one, right? Because we're not taught that growing up anymore. We're taught, oh, you you should have sex with anybody you're considering marrying. Right. right, or you you hear these ideas of oh, well, I mean, you should you should certainly get out there and try it out. Try, yeah, see what play you, the field, play the field. Right? right, that's all wicked. Yes, that's all wicked. Yeah, it's minimizing one of the most sacred things that God has designed. Right, that is satanic. Yeah, and that is really the the the, the point to take away from this is that's why mm-hmm. someone who's been sexually assaulted is going to feel shame, and that's also why as a an attachment to this discussion. Why is this sexual sexual assault happen so frequently? Right? Like we talked about that, how yeah. frequently it happens. Because our world does not value sex the way God has valued it. The world values pursuing one's own pleasures and passions. Yes. And so therefore you're gonna have a lot of people who pursue their own pleasure, caring about themselves, not others stealing yep the innocence of someone else stealing you're expendable exactly right? because the same thing that happened in the garden where we became the arbiters of what is good mm-hmm. and what is bad because mm-hmm. we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right set ourselves up as god that's why all these things happen yeah and so when you are sinned against in this particular way you have a heightened sense of awareness of, of the shame that actually already existed in you. Yeah. And so this is the general idea that we need to understand before we whittle it down to the particular. Absolutely. Because shame is a feeling of nakedness. Uh, it's something that destroys you down to your core. Uh, and we see this immediately with Adam and Eve in mm-hmm. Genesis chapter three. Yeah. And I'll just read, um, starting from verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which Yahweh God had made. 
And he said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat from it, and, which he didn't say this, you shall not touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. So she took from its fruit, and she ate. And she gave also to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Then they heard the sound of Yahweh God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh God in the midst of the garden of the trees of the garden. Mm-hmm. And Yahweh God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? So we'll stop there. Mm-hmm. So there it is, right? Right. They were walking with the Lord in the Garden of Eden, which is to say they were walking in heaven with God here on earth. Yeah, they were naked and unashamed. And they were naked the entire time, unashamed. And all of a sudden, when they began to take the counsel of another, i.e. Satan, they got this knowledge that they didn't have before. And what did this knowledge produce? Mm -hmm. It didn't produce what the serpent said it was going to produce. Right. It produced shame, fear, guilt, terror. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they knew that they were naked and they wanted to run from right. God because their nakedness, they didn't want it to be exposed right. under the eyes of God. Exactly. Now, what Mike's saying here, which is absolutely true, is now that is true of every man, woman, and child ever now because of sin entering into the world. All of us are born into sin. So all of us have this underlying understanding of shame all of us can feel feelings of shame at all times and it's appropriate that we do because without the the solution to our sin it is true that we are shameful before a holy god yes that is true and i think it's important to bring that up because that that feels unloving but but hear me out what you are feeling and this is just to the general listener when it comes to sin is true. It's not a figment of your imagination. That's the reason why self-help that we talked about uh, in the episode on denial doesn't work Mm -hmm. because you're trying to set yourself up to lie to yourself and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You can tell yourself you're great all day, Mm -hmm. but you know you're not. At the end of the day, you know it's not true. And that's not the key to freedom. Lying to oneself, falsehood is not going to produce anything Mm -hmm. good. But then to go that step further, to whittle it down to to sex in the particulars of, of sex, there is an intimacy that God built that for that brings life, that the world's version of it is a lie and it does not. Mm-hmm. To serve one's own selfish pleasures to to 
even in the consensual sense, before we even get to sexual assault, only breeds more and more shame, mm. right? Um, there's a reason why there's just this, like, for instance, I'll just put this out there. Why do people who look at pornography do it in secret? Why don't they celebrate it? Why don't they do it out in the open? Well, be, because there's an inherent shame that comes along with it. You know, however we want to minimize it, the truth, it's, it's not true. And so then it gets into, and I think Mike rightly from the Ten Commandments talks about the idea of stealing. There is also a, an actual true shame that comes when someone violates oneself that heightens the awareness of the shame that we already have. Mm-hmm. And it also puts a shame upon someone that's more, mm-hmm. right? It's an additional shaming that comes when someone violates you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when someone takes something that was not theirs to take. Mm-hmm. And those feelings that one feels from sexual assault are valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, just want, I just want to to define that in that way. Yeah, even as you were speaking about that, I mean, who is the one that was violated here in the garden? It wasn't Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. It was God. Yeah. Because Adam and Eve were the ones who transgressed that line. Right. They stole from God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, again, speaking of the generals as we work our way down to the particular, yeah. Um, Th- that that's a picture of, of what's happening now to the individual who is sexually assaulted mm-hmm. is in in one very real typological way you are the the forbidden fruit right yeah and the one who wants it is going to come take it even though yeah. god has created that barrier do not violate what he has ordained right yeah and the usurper comes and he takes takes what isn't his mm-hmm. and um and you feel that the consequences of that you didn't yeah. ask for him yeah. right yeah um and so, you know, there's a very real sense here in which um, all sin is like that towards God. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a violation of his property, mm-hmm. right? It, it's true. And so when you are sexually assaulted, you have that, that feeling of nakedness enhanced. Mm-hmm. And it dramatically affects the way you view yourself, like we spoke in the um, episode on your self-image. And it carries along with it this sense of dirtiness, unlovability. You feel like a failure. You feel like you're worthless. All of these things come with that heightened sense of awareness of shame. But again, I want to stress the fact that these were already there. You may mm-hmm. not have been able to categorize them or conceptualize them. Right. You may not have been able to understand why you felt unworthy, mm-hmm. why you are always comparing yourself to other people and always feeling like you're less than. You, you may not have understood this, but now if this has occurred to you, you can't get it off your mind. Mm-hmm. It's there. The effects of this shame are just like Adam and Eve's. You try to hide. Mm-hmm. You run from God. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how the research shows that victims of this type of trauma, yeah. this type of sin against them, man, like some of the side effects are embarrassment, anxiety, stress, fear, anger, confusion, sexualized behaviors, loss of sexual drive, sleep disturbances, self-mutilation, mm-hmm. uh, hyperarousal, just erratic mood swings. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, right? Yeah. Drinking abuse, drink abuse, drug abuse, sexual abuse, all sorts of abuses, right? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when, when that seed of sin is sown in, the, in that soil, it just proliferates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we, we, we are now able to talk about the um, particulars when it comes to this because those are the particulars. Mm-hmm. You, you begin to self-loathe, right? You're yeah. struggling. You don't understand how to handle this shame, yeah. right? So we start to do things like 
cut ourselves. We start to th- do things like have suicidal thoughts. We have eating disorders. We, mm-hmm. or, we push people away. We, or we bring them in. Or heightened uh, sexual promiscuity right. yourself. Like, I'm dirty, so I might as well just in other words, go this route, you know? Chaos floods into your life. Yeah. Right? And you're aware of it now. And it's it's also believing the lie of sin in a heightened way. Meaning, shame is the belief that I am worthless, that I am unlovable, and that I am I am just I should just be kind of thrown aside or I shouldn't I shouldn't value the image that I was created in, the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the, it's the harming oneself, it's the taking part in things that are self-destructive. It's, it's believing the lie that Satan wants you to believe. And the reason why it's so believable is because there's an element of truth to all sinners who are apart from God, right? That we're all children of wrath like the rest of mankind, Ephesians 1, you know, we're all... We're all uh, unrighteous. We're, we all fall short of the glory of God. That is true of every person. But where the worthlessness of sexual assault comes into a heightened way is that we also believe the lie that we're unredeemable, that we're not able to, to be cleansed. Right. That I might as well throw myself away mm-hmm. because God doesn't care about me. Other people don't care about me. I shouldn't even care about me. That's false. It's false. But I want to, I think what will help land the, the punch to the, to the actual solution is also that I understand why you have those feelings and some of, some of the things, are half-truths are, half-truths means that some of it is true. It's not, it's not true in the way that you're believing it. But there is a cleansing that does need to happen. There is something different that must take place. There is um, redemption that must happen for you, right? <laughs> like that yeah. must happen for all of us. Yeah. But it's not true that that redemption is not offered to you. It's yes. not true that you cannot be cleansed. It's not true that you're unloved. It's not true that you're not still, that you're created, that you're not created in the image of God. Yes. That, those things are not true. And that redemption, put another way, is a recreation. Exactly. It's a, it's a full transformation. Yeah. I'm looking at um, the book of Leviticus because Leviticus <laughs> talks a lot about uncleanness and what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about uncleanness that has resulted from an individual's own sin. Yeah. And it talks about uncleanness that has resulted from um, something that's occurred to somebody. Mm-hmm. And leprosy was was one of the examples we brought up. Right. And if you go to the book of Leviticus, you see a couple chapters on what is titled uh, the law of leprosy in Leviticus 14, verse 57. That's the end of a two-chapter-long discourse on how to handle this issue with leprosy. Yeah. I mean, two chapters on what the priest is going to do, and he's going to come and look at this, this, this spot on your body, mm-hmm. and he's going to look at your house and make sure the leprosy hasn't gotten into the house. And if it's been determined that there's leprosy in the house, you know what has to happen to the house? Burn. Full gut. 
They got to do a full renovation. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just all kinds of stuff. If you have leprosy on the body, there's this whole process of cleansing. And and what are why is it so um, thorough? Yeah. Well, we know that the Old Testament presents a lot of types. It presents a lot of physical examples of mm -hmm. a uh, what the New Testament refers to as spiritual realities. Yeah. And so, like we said earlier, whether or not you've been sexually assaulted, you already have this innate sense of shame built in because of sin. Mm -hmm. We are um, infected with the leprosy known as sin. Yeah. And we need to have a full renovation. We need to be newly created. Mm -hmm. That's why the gospel um, presents salvation, not just as like an enhanced person. Right. Like, it's not like, okay, we're just going to add this to you and you're going to be right. good. No, we're going to you're going to be reborn. Right. You're going to be reborn. You go from death to life. That's right. Like a full renovation, if you will. A full renovation. A Precisely. wholly new identity. Precisely. And this is part of the joy and the, the joyful message of the gospel is, to your point, worthlessness hits to the core of our identity, and, and this is the beautiful part mm -hmm. of it. You get a new one. It's not about making peace with the old one. It's not about enhancing the old one. God's not even saying like, yeah, you need to believe something better about yourself. He's saying, no, I'm going to make you completely new. I'm going to give right. you a brand new identity that is no longer attached to what has happened to you. And your nakedness will be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Amen. You will be clothed with the lamb, right? Yeah. You know, if we go back to the garden, they they sewed fig leaves to mm -hmm. cover themselves, Right. And just think about how dainty these little things were, right? Fig <laughs> right, leaves, right? Right, right, right. Um, they're not going to keep you warm at night, mm -hmm. right? It's barely going to cover up your flesh. It's just going to cover up just a bit, you know, that you were trying to cover up. But later on in chapter 3, um, in verse 21, Yahweh God himself slays an animal, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a picture of substitutionary atonement, atonement yeah. right? Atoning for their sin. But he didn't just kill an animal, Mm -hmm. Then he skins it and clothes Adam and Eve with the garments of skin from the animal. Yeah. They get they get like a very big upgrade, a right? Full covering. You get that yeah. full coverage, right? Yeah. Again, a picture of what is given to us in Christ as the Lamb of God who has been slain mm -hmm. for the sins of the world and the blessings of which are applied to all who believe in him as their only hope of being made right with God. And so when, you're, when your nakedness has been exposed, in this particular context, we're talking about sexual assault, mm -hmm. you can be clothed with an everlasting clothing. Right. You can be clothed with the righteousness of Christ mm -hmm. who will not only cover you, but in that covering also completely recreate who you are. Yeah. You'll be born again. And this Absolutely. is the hope that we're talking about. Yeah. And that's what uh, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And if you go all the way down to the end of that, he talks about Christ. He says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's a picture of that substitutionary atonement, that he became sin, he he went out to the desolate places as we talked last week with the leper, you know, and traded places with him. Hebrews thirteen thirteen says, "Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the repro the reproach he endured." And this is talking about 
what Christ did, and he's talking about the Levitical law. He's talking about his priestly, his priesthood, and and how how he became a better priest. And he's talking about how Christ goes outside the camp, much like where the lepers go. He bore the sin, he took on the reproach, and he defeated sin and death on the cross, so that us who are outside the camp, who are unclean, who need a new identity, who need their sins cleansed and covered and all the things that we're talking about, he did it in a very real sense, in a very real way, mm-hmm. in a way that we can we can believe and trust and take on and rest in and walk in. This is not um this is not a feel good message. Mm-hmm. This is the truth of the gospel. Yes. Right? And speaking of the gospel, you know, the Lord was exposed on the cross. Mm-hmm. He was naked on the cross. Yeah. I know many of our pictures, you know, show a little loincloth. That wasn't there. Yeah. He was stripped. He was spit uh, on. He was yeah. beaten physically. He Reviled, was. Reviled, humiliated. I mean, he, talk about being uh, violated, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, to the max, mm-hmm. he was violated. And he did it for you. Mm-hmm. He did it for you. Do you believe that? Yeah, and that's the question, right? Right? Because the new identity that we've been given in Christ, it so surpasses anything that self-help could give you. It mm-hmm. so surpasses anything that you can muster up in and of yourself. Mm-hmm. It so surpasses anything that a counselor yeah. could possibly encourage you with mm-hmm. that it's worth the cost. Yeah. The cost is you have to be willing to let go of that shame. You have to be willing to let go of your sin. You have to be willing to be humbled and realize that you actually need the forgiveness of God, even though you've been sinned against, right? Because remember, if you had never been sexually assaulted, everything we're saying still applies to you. That's why we had to start with the general and work our way down to the particular. And Ephesians chapter one, Mm-hmm. verses 3 through 14, lay it out for you, just the spiritual treasury of heaven. The third verse says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, mm-hmm. with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And he goes on to talk about how God chose you before the foundations of the world. In the Greek, that phrase, foundations of the world, means before times eternal. In other words, before he created anything, he had a plan. Yeah. And he knew exactly whom he was going to save. We don't have the privilege of knowing who that's going to be. How can you know if you are one who's been chosen? It's very simple. Do you trust in Christ as your righteousness mm-hmm. before a holy God? If the answer is yes, then be assured, right? Mm-hmm. But listen to the fifth verse because this is incredible. He says, by predestining us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. Now, if you've been adopted into the family of the King of Kings, Mm -hmm. you have nothing to be shameful about. No. You have nothing to worry about because the king has adopted you and you have legal right to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have been accepted despite what you have done and despite what has been done against you by 
the God who created you. You're accepted in the beloved. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. You can be accepted in the eyes of the king. And that's available to you right now. But you mm-hmm. have to let go. You have to let go of that shame that you are clinging to. How are you clinging to it? You're clinging to it by deciding to be defined by it. Mm-hmm. You're clinging to it by deciding to go out and try to cover it up with fig leaves. Mm-hmm. And all the things that you are attempting to nullify the pain yeah. that you feel, that's what you have to get rid of. I think a good illustration coming back to your point about uh, thou shalt not steal, that property yes. idea. What Mike is saying there, what, what it means to cling to the worthlessness or of the, of the identity would be to mourn over the property, to want to get the property itself refixed or, or whatever. But then you get God who comes along and says, hey, I've got a new place for you to live altogether, mm-hmm. but you got to leave this property. That is what the gospel is. But this property is in my kingdom. This property has riches upon riches. This property is, is more than you've ever dreamed of, and I'm going to give it to you as a gift. Mm-hmm. But you can't desire that property to be um, redeemed. In, in terms of like um, to want to cling to this over here. This has already been burned, violated. You got to let it go. Yeah, let it go. Um, and, I, and that is, uh, in the spiritual sense, I think, what is difficult because the, the sin of suffering is mixed in with our own sin. That's why we had to start generally. There isn't, you're not completely innocent as a person. You're innocent of the sexual assault that's happened to you. You didn't ask for that. You didn't. That is some. That is the sin of suffering. Someone else's sin against you, but you are also still a sinful person as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you have to die to self altogether. The mm-hmm. things that have happened to you and the things that you desire for yourself, in order to to enter into the kingdom of God. And you may come to the realization that. Yes, this wicked thing has occurred to me, but God is able to redeem it. Why? Because I may never have reached out and cried out to the Lord unless this happened to me. I may yeah. never have actually desired God unless I came to this place in my life where I understood that what I'm feeling uh, was actually already there. Mm-hmm. My eyes were blinded to it. And it was never supposed to be. Uh, you know, we can... Obviously, God is sovereign, and He had a plan, and all that. But how? But in His created order, in His goodness, He created the worlds without sin. Death is a result of sin, so there is a right understanding that this is not supposed to be this way. But you're not going to redeem that yourself. You're gonna. It's going to be redeemed by Him, the right. one who created the world. Think about Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. The story of Joseph in the Bible, absolutely, Genesis. Um, this, this boy, mm-hmm. right, the youngest of all of his brothers was the object of worship really from his father. Mm-hmm. His father loved him more than all of his other brothers and his father made sure to make that known by mm-hmm. giving him a special robe. Mm-hmm. And his brothers saw that robe and they envied him, right? Yeah. And then Joseph, being a sinner, right. had a dream that he went and told his brothers about. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, guys, I had this dream, and you want to know what happened in it? I was ruling over all of you. 
<laughs> right. And that set them off. Yeah, it did not they make said, things we well. We got to get rid of this little punk, mm-hmm. right? And so they did. In fact, one day they saw him, Joseph, coming towards them in the middle of the desert. And they saw, ah, now we have this opportunity to get rid of this little punk. Mm-hmm. And they sinned against him. And they sold him into slavery. Mm-hmm. So violation number one. They violated him. So there's, right? there's a violation. Right. And he was also sexually assaulted by Potiphar's wife. Then later on, mm-hmm. he was sexually assaulted by Potiphar's wife. And then later on, he does these guys a favor in prison by interpreting the meaning of a dream. And he says, hey, when you guys go talk to Pharaoh about this, let him know that I'm in here because I'm not supposed to be in here. Yeah. And they forget Right? They say, sure, well, yeah, we'll do it. For two whole years. And he's in prison for two more years. And he's there un he's not even supposed to be there, Mm -hmm. right? Unlawfully. Yeah, if you think about this, to not to cut you off, I want you to keep going, but imagine if you were sexually assaulted, and if you're listening, maybe you have been, but then you got put in jail for it. You were lied about and got put in jail for it, because that's what happened to Joseph. Potiphar's wife sexually assaults him. He runs away to honor his master. She lies and says he tried to do it to her, and he gets put in jail for it. Right. Like you talk about violation and feeling worthless and feeling forgotten and feeling yeah. mistreated. And Joseph understood it. And you know what Joseph says towards the end of this whole story, right? Mm-hmm. In Genesis chapter 50, he says to his brothers, who um, now have heard from Joseph's own lips uh, that all the things that they did against him actually turned out for good because Joseph, by the time he reveals himself to his brothers, is now second in command in all of Egypt. Mm. And they're coming to him, just like his dream said, they're coming to him and they are asking for grain. They're asking for basic subsistence Mm -hmm. from their brother. And he says, what you meant for evil against me, God meant for good. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I say, that even though this grievous thing has occurred to you, God can turn it around for your good and for his glory. That's right. And so it may be that this is the moment in time in your life where you are being confronted with the reality of the gospel. Mm -hmm. You may have never heard the gospel this way, but this is the gospel. This is the good news of Christ, that your sin and the sin that has been done against you can be forgiven, and you can be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our transgressions according to the riches of his grace. He's full of grace. He's full of grace. And so the solution for you, if you want to be uh, resolved of this issue, if you want to be restored into a right relationship with your creator God, is to cry out to the Lord and ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. and trust in what Jesus, as the only sinless human and as God of very God, uh, has accomplished what he's accomplished for you on your behalf. Trust in that. He fulfilled the righteous requirement of God's holy law by never sinning, not even in his heart of hearts. And then furthermore, he paid the penalty for all sinners by dying as a man, on a cross, shedding his blood and taking on the full wrath of God against wickedness and sin. 
He took it on upon himself. And if you believe in that, and if that is your basis of righteousness before a holy God, the Bible says that you'd be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, no matter what the sin is. You haven't fallen too far. You are not um, unforgivable. You're not trash. You're not worthless. You are worth a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You were made in the image of God, but that image must be redeemed. Yeah. And so this is the path of redemption. This is the path of true hope and healing. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all I, all I want to say before we close, because everything Mike just said is absolutely right. And I just want to encourage you, if you're listening and you struggle with worthlessness, you struggle because you've been sexually assaulted, don't allow the false beliefs of that to drive you away from God but run towards him so that you can be covered by his blood and redeemed. Amen. Well, we'll talk to you all later. We thank you for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project Podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project Podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.